Hi guys, welcome back to the What About podcast. Uh, we've got so many great things coming your way over the next year, finishing this series on culture here at Christchurch and then moving on to some other big topics that we're going to be discussing and diving into like politics in the church, discipleship and much more. As usual, we're going to be chatting to leaders here and getting to grips with what we stand for as a church, looking theologically and practically at that topic. Today we're going to be looking at how the church acts as a family, one of our culture points at Christchurch and a really important one. I'm joined this week by Phil and Elo Ria, both key members of the church for many years. Phil leads the team of trustees who look after the church on the legal side and Elo is the children and families worker. Elo is involved in many areas of the community, running new mothers support groups, toddler groups and going into local primary schools, working with children through play therapy. All in all, two great guests, I'm sure you will agree. Welcome. Hello. I'm going to give these two an opportunity to say a little bit about their journey to Christchurch in a minute, but first we're going to open with a little icebreaker question. Uh, so if you're listening in, please leave in the comments on social media your answers as well. Uh, so the, the question for this week is, if you could instantaneously be able to speak or write any language, what would it be and why? I've been trying to learn a bit of German, um, and that's really difficult, so a shortcut to that would be handy. Yeah. Well, boringly, it would be French, which I already know a little bit of, but it would make helping my children with their homework so much easier. Okay. Oh, those are like really, yeah, those are really good answers. So why German, Phil? Is it just you enjoy the... Uh, it's sad, because I have German colleagues. Right, okay. And there's no one out there speaking Klingon, so there's no point in that. <laughs> well, that and also the fact that wherever Phil goes, everyone knows he's British straight away, so he would really like to be able to just surprise them, just for once, by being able to string a coherent sentence together in another language. When I went to um, I went to Bolivia when I, uh, to see my sister when she was living out there, and I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll learn. I don't speak English in Spanish because then people will know sorry I don't speak Spanish in Spanish which is mina hable espanol uh, the problem is people don't listen to what you've said they just say here oh he said something in Spanish so then they <laughs> reply in Spanish and I have to go I'm, I'm sorry I don't know anymore <laughs> my answer would be Arabic it'd be really useful for um sort of working in the area that I do with sort of Quranic studies and stuff uh, I really want to learn Arabic and I'd say it's the, I think it's statistically the hardest language for an English speaking person to learn because of the just complete different nature of the, the alphabet, but also the, the sort of sounds. Um, so it's a nice challenge then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really annoying because I actually want to learn it. Um, right. Well, a little bit of an introduction to you guys. Um, maybe just start by saying a little bit about yourselves and how you came to Christchurch and sort of your journey up to, up to now, really. Well, I've probably been here the longest because I've been part of the church since I was about eight or nine years old. Um, so it's lovely to grow up in a church um, and then to leave for university and then come back again um, and to sort of be part of the church as a child and as an adult. Um, and in the last few years, I've been working as a children and families worker, which has been a massive privilege, um, a chance to do something I was doing voluntarily as a paid role um, and definitely have the best job in church. <laughs> Uh, whereas I grew up in the Midlands and I moved down here to Mariello, so I sort of got co-opted into this church. <laughs> <laughs> Willingly, I'm sure. Oh, very willingly. Yeah. It was Ello's church and I joined it at the time. I sort of made it home, though. Yeah. 20 years, that's, that's nothing. 
Amazing. So we talk a little bit about sort of churches as as a family. And um, one of the ways that we sort of try, we say it's the local expression of the family of God. Um, so what do you think that looks like for you guys? What do you think that means to say that the church is the local expression of the family of God? It's, uh, it's a huge privilege to be part of uh, the family of God. In fact, you've got multi-generations and multi-backgrounds all together um so as a child growing up I had many adults who I could go and speak to who weren't my own parents and that is such a nice thing to have and so many other people to um lean on and speak to and get advice from or advice on what not to do um and just to sort of be part of that that big family and have almost like surrogate grandparents and aunties and uncles and, and other people and then when we had our own children it was so nice to be able to have other people who we could go to for wisdom and advice um, and other people to hand our screaming babies over to and say here you have them for a bit because um, you knew they were in a safe pair of hands and so it's lovely to talk and it's not just an age thing it's also a, a experience and background thing as well so people from all walks of life and all backgrounds it just sort of opens the door to loads of different relationships. Yeah the the family of God globally is is hugely diverse and if we don't reflect that as much as we can locally, then we're, we're missing out on experience and, and knowledge and understanding. Mm. Yeah, because you mentioned that sort of intergenerational side, because um, obviously a family, a dynamic, a nuclear family dynamic is one of the only places culturally, apart from the church, that you do see that sort of intergenerational play. You know, in most cultural, well, Western cultural places, you know, you don't see young people and older people sort of, spending time together it is only in that sort of family environment how important do you think that is that for the church to keep a hold of that it's it's a really lovely thing to see one of the um nicest things i've been able to do um when working with particularly our older children year fives and sixes is being able to invite older mature members of the faith in to speak to the children and to see that relationship start and develop see um you know 10 11 year olds chatting alongside 70 80 year olds and learning from them and hearing their stories and developing relationship with them and realizing that actually their stories are part of who they are and their own journey with Jesus really um, and it's just been so lovely to see and so nice to be able to be a sort of a part of that yeah, I think it's crucial to the future of a, of a given fellowship that you have that because otherwise if you cater to a particular generation or a couple of generations then as that the, the members of that generation age either you continue catering for that generation and you get a new set in and, and that set leave or else the generation you cater for is going to be getting older and older and then that's ultimately a one way street the only way for a, um, a fellowship to survive long term is to have that mix of ages, people coming in at, uh, as, as babies and, and going out at their funeral. Amazing. Can you think of any, I suppose on a personal level, any experiences you guys have had of, of that sort of expression of family? Um, any sort of ideas of, well, um, yeah, examples of um, the church acting as family around you guys during sort of specific times of your lives? So when Jacob was um, was a baby, which seems like a very long time ago, um, after the Sunday service, we'd hand him over to someone because everyone wanted a cuddle. And then back in the days when we could have coffee after church, of course, <laughs> um, when it was time to go home, we'd track him down and take him off somebody else. And he'd done the rounds and everyone in the church had, had had a cuddle with him and he'd smiled at them all and made them all very happy. And it was particularly the little old ladies, they loved having a cuddle with Jacob. Um, that was... Um, 
that, that was a bit special in a way. It was really special. And just things like, um, from a parenting point of view, you'd have a bad day and your children would be driving you crazy and you'd think, I must be the worst mum in the world and the world felt like it was falling apart and the house was a tip and you'd go and you'd find somebody else in the church who had been there a few years beforehand and they'd sort of give you a hug and mop up your tears and say, no, it's all fine, it's okay and this is what's going to happen. And you'd look at sort of the stage that they were at and you could learn from other um parents in the church and you say actually they've done a really lovely thing with their children and they're really nurturing their children and you kind of learn from them as well um and just sort of get that sort of sympathy and that empathy as well was really um supportive and helpful in sort of the early stages and then you sort of fast forward down to sort of the teenage years when you're thinking oh my goodness the world tells you this about your teenagers but the church tells you this about your teenagers what is how do you how make your family look like um the bible you know where do you go for it and you look around at other people and you learn from them which is a massive privilege and there have been times when you go to older people in the church who had their children a long time ago and you say you know what this is really difficult and they stand with you and they pray with you and that has been um just life-changing at moments and the fact that you know that other people have kind of got your back really has been so lovely and so helpful to us yeah definitely i mean firstly the idea of jacob is in obviously the youth group which i run and and so the idea of like handing jacob around to be cuddled is a very strange thought but then i didn't know jacob as a as a baby um he's about 16 now so <laughs> a very different situation you can try cuddling him if you want <laughs> thank you no thank you um but uh no i think you're right in terms of that um that support i know one thing i love about Christchurch actually is that we don't have leaders who pretend that their families are perfect um you know you will have like Sirena getting up and being like oh my goodness I almost killed my children this week and like for people it, like that's lovely to hear to because yeah as you say otherwise you can I know so many pastors families that seem so perfect on the outside you know that Instagram worthy sort of situation and um you just end up thinking oh what am I doing wrong <laughs> um but when you, when the church is acting as a family you don't get that opportunity because there isn't mm. that that level of distance yeah. that you can put the filters in place so <clears throat> we we may have people in the church who who have the perfect home that's always perfectly photo ready and the children who just sit there and smile um but because we we are more of a family we don't get that that level of distance and if, if the images do go yeah, yeah actually we know that they were screaming at their kids two minutes before that because that's that's the way it is and so we, we it makes things far more real than would otherwise be an opportunity in this uh and to be fair our children have never cooperated with the (laughs) illusion of a perfect family life our children are very keen to wash our dirty laundry as publicly as they can which has been a very humbling experience as a parent but probably very good for us You, you speak about that sort of um that real nature of family. And obviously most families aren't 200 people. Have you met Ella's family? Um, <laughs> that's true, the Cottinghams do go all over. She's related to half of Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> okay, most most nuclear families... Actually, no, it's true. I'm not even going to say that because you could probably still say the same. But uh, most families um, aren't 200 people. So um, I suppose what does it feel like to have that wide nature of family and it not feel uh, cliquey and it not feel sort of separate how do you think practically Christchurch is uh, and have you seen Christchurch go about keeping that family nature of the church as it grows and continues to grow obviously as we pray that it will 
I think um, coming from a massive family, I kind of look at it as a sort of that parallel and say, you know, I've got wider members of my family who I'd only see occasionally at sort of weddings and funerals and that kind of thing. But when I see them and when I meet with them, it's really celebratory and really lovely. And you know, you've got things and bonds in common. Um, Whereas at at more regular times of the year, we'll have the closer family sort of together in our houses and be more on top of each other and more involved in each other's lives. And I kind of feel like that, like that with the church and the fact that actually the whole church together are people who you are connected with and you love and you support but there will always be a smaller number of people who you are closer with and whose lives you're actually actively involved with as well so you can come alongside each other and support each other and help each other out and you know pick each other up and give each other lifts and you know when you're allowed to um, and do those kind of things together um then it's important to have both important to come together corporately as a massive big group sometimes and i'm talking about things like catalyst here as well um when you can come and celebrate you know the togetherness of the the church um but then it's also really important to have a smaller group of people who you can know well be accountable to care for um and sort of grow together really yeah for those who don't know catalyst is um, the sphere that we're a part of, the, the group of churches under New Frontiers, the, the family of New Frontiers, and it's also the name of the festival where all of those churches gather together every sort of two or three years, although we weren't, obviously weren't able to gather together this year because of COVID, but that's what Ella's talking about, the, the festival that brings all of those people together. Well, I grew up in a, a more traditional 2.4 children family, although it was 2.0 children. <clears throat> and I don't have that, that whole background of, of a huge family and hundreds of aunts and uncles and in Ella's case some of them are the same people <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's um, I think it's evident that uh, the particularly Christchurch here we, we are a, a large family I remember explaining to Katie once she was um, she was complaining that we've been doing something with people from church and we should be doing it with people from family and like, why are we doing it with that family we, we, these people are from church they shouldn't be church people they should be family people and I was explaining to know church is family um, we, we build stronger bonds with um, some of the people that we do church with than the people that we happen to be related to now, in, in Ello's case she knows the, the majority of her extended family much better than I do I've got cousins that I see once every decade maybe um and uh, uncles that i haven't seen for probably 20 years but I, I i live with people from from the church we do life together so it's far more family than family in some ways mm. yeah no i think growing up it was sort of similar for me in terms of my family wasn't massively we have an uncle who we see more regularly but apart from that my family very much uh, wedding and funeral families in terms of we see each other at weddings and funerals but not much in between um, and but yeah you, you'd see people from the life group and whatever every week because they're around your house and and that's a natural part of it and I think it is really really lovely um, in that terms of as we grow do you think that that you can keep that in terms of say Christchurch gets to say 500 people um, what do you what do you think that looks like that's interesting, isn't it? Because I've always thought I don't want to be part of a church of 500 people because you'd lose that, and yet I want the church to grow. Mm-hmm. So how we succeed in keeping that is is crucial. But thankfully, that's a decision for the elders, not the trustees. <laughs> I think that's where um, good life group leaders are really important because they can really help to um, nurture that sense of family and actually the importance of being 
plugged in for each member to be plugged in and not to just hover on the fringe and I do think that as church members we have to make an active decision to attend stuff to go to stuff to let yourself make real relationships with people and not just to hover on the edge and actually once you make that decision I'm going to go to as much as I can I'm going to attend as much as I can the more drawn in and the more mixed in you are the more part of things you are um so you do need good life group leaders to kind of create that family feel and that concern for people and those to nurture those real relationships but also we as church members need to make that active decision to to join in and to be part of things yeah i think the the members decision is crucial there isn't it the, the trouble with um managing this in a way through small groups is that then you become an organization and that's exactly what we don't want to become so you need to organize it enough to maintain that um uh, that, that family feel that that level of interconnection but not so much that it feels like a club or an organization yeah and on, on the, the back of that i suppose how do you differentiate between the two specifically in a a world where churches have to become more organizationally savvy and obviously you know both of you are involved within that you within your trustees hat on and and ella with your safeguarding hat on um both of you are aware of sort of the uh, the necessary hoops you need to jump through how do you work within those official frameworks and put those organizational structures in place without becoming an organization and losing that family feel you mean the fact that i'm her boss's employer (laughs) things like that (laughs) It, it can be a difficult balance at times particularly um particularly for the trustees if we do our job right because on the one hand we we're all members of the church we're all on mission together and we want to see the church grow we want to see the church do things we want to see lives change and so that means stepping out and doing stuff um but at the same time we're responsible to the uh the charity commission to company's house to the taxman to legally for the church and so we we need to be careful that we don't do anything that is either wrong or could be perceived as being wrong um and that can can create a, a certain bit of tension there yeah, and I think with um, the safeguarding stuff, it, it's a challenge that we don't always get right, um, but hopefully we're sort of learning as we go. But there's a, a line when you have to meet what the law says, and the law says, okay, this thing's come up, you have to deal with it in this way, you have to report it in this way, you have to do this, that and the other, you have to document it, which you do. But at the same time as a church, we have a duty of care, which isn't just a legal thing, but it's mm. a love for people and a concern for people and a concern for their well-being. So alongside anything that we have to do organisationally, we'll always try and act pastorally as well. So we'll try and support people and meet with people and um, help them to move beyond whatever difficult circumstance they've been in. And that can look um, in different ways for different people. And obviously we can't force anybody, but that will always be the offer and the expectation that we will be coming alongside people. Um, One of the things that is really difficult is that when you deal with um, local safeguarding boards, they don't understand churches, they don't understand that we are a family. They want us to have everyone to have distinct roles and you say, but people meet in each other's houses and they spend time together and they don't get that. But at the same time, there's huge potential there for us to really support a whole family and come alongside people. Um, We've got far more potential to do that than um, other organisations have. We're primarily a church. We aren't an organisation that runs a church. <clears throat> legally we are. Legally we're a charitable trust and the um, the prime mission of that trust, the prime aim of that trust is to, to run a church. But we're not, we're a church. And the the legal side of things, the, the financial side of things is just a framework to 
to enable that. So sure, we have we have a duty of care to people to to follow safeguarding rules, and and we need to make sure people are safe. But in addition to that, we're looking after them on a deeper level than just making sure that all the boxes are ticked for the uh, the local safeguarding guys. Mm. Yeah, and it's it. I suppose it is that holistic nature that makes it family because um, you know within a family you're not just interested in one area of you know your kids or your 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 brother or sister's lives you're interested in all of it you don't just sort of draw the line at a point and and um, when you think about sort of safeguarding of course we're interested in safeguarding and, and supporting and protecting people you know because that's what family does um, but yeah I think the um, the big thing that comes to mind is as laws change and as legal requirements become stricter those sort of things coming in obviously we we already speak about you know has health and safety gone mad or whatever it is um but obviously the last year has brought in some unprecedented things when it comes to churches um you know in terms of governmental shutdowns of churches and and restrictions on on religion in that way um how do you in sort of see that going forward i suppose do you think that this is possibly the start of of some changes or would you say actually no that's specific to a time we're not going to see anything yeah definitely specific to a time i think back when they um when they they being the government when they when they closed down um corporate worship entirely i think they realized they'd gone too far and they made a mistake and and that's why uh, when this this latest set of restrictions was announced it was very explicit churches and and other faith groups will still be enemy for corporate worship because society is recognizing the significance of of spiritual health and and they they don't understand it the same way as we do perhaps but they know it's important so i don't think the the government are going to be in any great rush to to step in but there are always rules that are coming in or or regulations are coming in that are meant to cover businesses or meant to cover employers or meant to cover people who work with children or whatever and we have to comply with those because we're employers and we work with children and all the rest of it but i think one of the things about the lockdowns and all of the rules that have come in have been actually how exciting it is to see god working in different ways and give us new opportunities where we didn't have them before and you can see it as a big sort of shutdown and oh we can't do this and we can't do this and we can't do that but actually what it has done is open new doors that are like we can do this and we can do this and we can do this and it's been surprising how God has worked through those. Um, just one example would be the fact that we've made some videos for some of the local schools to use in assemblies, which is not an opportunity we had before. We haven't been able to get in and do assemblies before, but suddenly there was an opportunity that God gave us and that blessed the schools, um, and we weren't looking for it. And I just love that reminder that actually God is in charge of everything that happens. And it's just that mindset of what new opportunities are there rather than what things have been shut down. Oh, amazing, definitely. Um, I think over the last year we've we've really seen different ways of of reaching a community, and I think it has been dif- very different and really exciting in that way. I think obviously there's stuff we're missing. Obviously, I know you miss this with gems and baby gems a lot, and and I miss sort of Friday night youth and just being able to open the doors and let people come in. Um, I think all of those things together will build for a a much better sort of when things open up balance between those two areas of recognizing we have got those new ways of doing things but also getting back to having some of the older more sort of traditional style of of actually physically being able to see people which i know a lot of people are looking forward to um 
practically, how do you guys separate that in your personal lives in terms of the um, organisational, structural side, trustees hat, church hat, family hat, all of that being bundled together, um, plus your own spiritual lives. And obviously both of you would say that, as, as sort of Phil's mentioned, you would submit to the leadership here and all that, but also you have that organisational role. How do you balance those things? Sometimes it works really well. Um, so when there's a, a safeguarding issue comes up that the trustees need to know about, because Ella's dealing with it, she tells the chair of the trustees and it's all dealt with. It's nice and easy. Um, practically, other times it doesn't work so well. I'll talk to Sai about um, what the church is planning, what the church is going to be doing. And because Ella's on staff, I assume he told her. And so I don't tell her because she surely knows about that stuff. And he, of course, assumes that because we live together, having been married, of course, uh, because we live together, she uh, she knows because of, uh, I've told her. And so that's sometimes that causes surprises. I think what's really, I think it really works well because we are both wanting the same thing and our hearts are for the same thing. We both want the church to grow. We both want the church to do well. We both want um, everything to happen together. And it's, it's nice because I can say to Phil, um, we've got to do this but I don't know how to make it work legally and Phil will go and do the boring you know, reading the documentation and making it work legally um, or then Phil will come to me with something and say oh, well, we need to do this and say oh how about you know this stupid crazy creative idea and then Phil will somehow make it happen um, so it's quite fun but we need to kind of work together on a team and then we quite often guinea pig our children as well we use them to not to actually experiment on but you know to sort of run ideas and test things on as well it's quite fun to kind of have that um, they're part of it as well in a way and that's been really helpful as well I think part of it though is because of the attitude that the trustees here have we are primarily a church and it's, it's about how we can do things legally we need to comply with the regulations but how can we not work around them how can we work with them and still do what we want I remember shortly after I became a trustee Paul Endersby was the chair and we'd had some advice on something um, and it was oh you can't do this and you can't do that you can't do the other and Paul's response was, don't tell me what we can't do, tell me how we can do something. And that's, um, that, that, that's significant. It's, it's, sure, we need, to, we need to obey stuff, but we still want to be on that same mission. And primarily, we're all Christians who want to see the gospel spread. And we don't see the f- trustees in the way that some American churches, I, I gather, do. My, um, uh, I've got American colleagues where the pastor in their church is terrified of the board because the board tells him what he can do. Um, whereas here we've got more of the attitude that we provide the, um, we provide the structure so it can happen. We, we, we own the building so that we can meet in the building. We employ the, uh, the staff so that the church can go out on mission. It's, it's not uh, that level of tension between the two organisations. We're part of the same organisation. We're just doing a particular function in there. I think that diverse nature of... Um, gifting and 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 knowledge is so amazingly useful within the church and that family structure is what then releases it to be able to feel like that for instance if you have an uncle who is works in finance you're probably going to ask him questions like you're just going to chat about things and if you have a problem then you'll go to them in the similar way like I know when um not just on a professional basis although it normally is when I'm like oh does that work on a copyright license or whatever, I'll come to you and I'll ask you about it and you'll tell me either, yes, that's fine, or as you say, how how can we make it fine? Um, and um, Or you'll check with someone and I know that, that that's doable. And I think that's the great thing about the church. Me and um, Catherine, my fiance, are 
uh, getting married hopefully in the next couple of months and chatting to um, Cy and Anna about it and and they said oh if you're looking at wills well then this person in the church does wills and, and they're really great and they'll help you through it and all that to be able to have that diversity of um, skill and knowledge base is incredibly amazing within the church because um, it really supports the body um, and helps the body to work together and function together really well um, and yeah it's nice to hear that sort of in terms of how that works between you guys as well um, on a more personal note you mentioned a couple of times about mission and, and obviously us being a family on a mission a church on a mission what, what do you think that looks like for both a family is in a nuclear family your family to be on a mission together and then the family the church family being on a mission together I think um, like for our own personal family it's looking for opportunities all the time in your life and the things you're doing and that's part of the witness that's what I grew up with I grew up seeing my parents serving in the church my parents reaching out to other people um just not as a as a you know a formal kind of thing just as like a normal part of their day-to-day life and so that's what I kind of see we try to do with our children as well and we talk about things that we're doing and why we're doing it and we'll get them to pray with us about certain things that are going on um and then when they have an issue or things come up at school or a difficult thing we say well, come on what does it look like to get Jesus involved in that problem what does it look like if we pray about it what are we going to ask Jesus about and so it's all the time it's it's not um trying to preach to your children it's just trying to make um living for Jesus part of your normal everyday life and everything that comes up what does it look like to do that in a Jesus focused kind of way um we don't get that right all of the time we get that wrong most of the time but you know we are learning as well and God is gracious thankfully um and I think that's so when we are working for the church as a couple we get the children involved with us they come along with us they're used to being here setting things up and all the time they know it's because we want to reach people for Jesus and so we're kind of trying to bring them up that attitude of service and looking outward that's the tricky bit though isn't it I inherited a very strong Protestant work ethic. Um, and although Ella will probably claim I'm lazy at home, I did put the laundry away before I came out. Yeah, brownie points. Um, <clears throat> although Ella may claim I'm uh, lazy at home, I, I, I prefer to be busy doing something. So I'm very happy to be down here late at night with Dan sorting out a PA problem or a lighting problem or, or some techie problems on the computers. I enjoy doing that. Um, and sometimes the way that's reflected to the kids can be a challenge because they they sometimes see it as oh you just want to be busy you just want you want me to be busy because you're busy rather than but we're being busy so that this can happen so that we can use this as an opportunity to, to preach the gospel yeah and I think for the, for the whole in terms of the whole church and the whole church being on mission is that changes from time to time as to what is needed and around you um so my role with children and families will be what do how can we serve the children and families in our town how can we reach out to them so in the past we've done sort of big fun days and we've done the toddler groups and we've done things all of which have been about reaching the lost and reaching whole families my vision is not just to see children saved although obviously that as well but actually see whole families saved Mm. and added because it's you know as much as a child can agree that they yes they need Jesus in their life if their parents are bringing them to church it's very hard for them to walk that walk um so my vision is always to see how can we get whole families drawn in how can we bring whole families into the love of God um and so at the moment that means doing things online hopefully ultimately it will go back to doing things in person but even if we don't even if you um you, you run all your back in normal times if we when we get back to them if you run all your, your, your things for young mothers with babies and young mothers with toddlers, 
and they don't respond to the gospel through it, we've still served the community. We've still made their life better in some way, some small way for, for that week. Um, and, and that's part of, the, uh, part of the mission as well, I think. It's not, it's not that we're focused purely on we want to, we want to see scalps for Jesus. It's, it's we want to serve the community we're in. And the, the best way we can possibly do that is by telling them about what Jesus has done. But also, there are practical ways we can help them. Look at the, the, the work that the food bank do through the church. Um, practical ways we can help them, or, or um, educational ways we can help them that make their lives better, even though they aren't necessarily responding to the gospel in a way that we'd possibly like on a Sunday morning. Mm. Yeah, I know it is that sort of, as I said earlier, that holistic nature, isn't there, of having all of those different things together and, and knowing that as we show the love of God and show what God has got in terms of, for instance, when you think about the food bank, you know, we don't, as much as um, there is a area within that to show the love of, of Jesus and to um, show God, you know, we, we could say we're giving you food because God feeds the hungry in terms of spiritually and try and make a big fuss like that. At the end of the day, there are people hungry and they need feeding and you know, God is very clear within his word. You know, if you, um, if you, you know, speak and you do all the things, but you haven't got love um, and you're not looking after the widows and orphans, are you really my disciples? And I think that's a, a real practical part of that as well. And, and something that um, you picked up on, Ella, of that sort of family nature of um, there has to be something in church that is for all. There has to be something in church that all can uh, feel welcome and um, fit in and so that means it's not just kids and it's not just old people it's not just youth it's all and because at the end of the day kids become youth become 20s become 30s become 40s become older people and and um, that's what happens <laughs> I'm getting glares because I stopped at 50 become 60s 70s 80s 90s and then you get and into then older become people. old people um <laughs> Although I'm sure that Derek would, would say he's not old either. Um, but yeah, the I think you know the, there has to be that nature of people moving through different stages of their lives and the church being there for all of it and the church being all of it. And I think that's really key as well. I think if every member of the church is actively looking, what does God want me to do now? Then that is the church on mission. And I think there's one thing we've learned in this pandemic is that actually we have to be quick to respond and we have to be quick to react to things. And actually you might have done this all your life, but now suddenly God wants you to do this and it might only be for short term, but actually you need to respond to what you're being told to do now. Amazing. Just apologies, my microphone will be picking up um, the reversing lorry that was very near. So if you can hear that on the recording. Um, I may have been able to get rid of it with like, you know, Trixie audio work but we'll see and if you can hear that in the recording then um, not and if you can't hear it then I, I will probably re remove this bit that I'm saying right now um, but if not enjoy my voice for a little bit longer um, well thank you so much for joining uh, me today guys thank you for setting that time aside getting your thoughts and wisdom it's been really really great to have you on the podcast Join us next month when Nigel Unwin and Jenny Joyce will be joining us to continue this series by looking at thankfulness and what does it look like for Christchurch to embody a thankful church. What About Podcast is a Christchurch Helsham original. The music was done by Chris Joyce and you can see the full version of the song on our YouTube in his encouragement singing through the Psalms. Mm -hmm.